0: This podcast recorded before a live studio audience.
1: Hey, Johnny. Hey, Landon.
0: Questionable guy to life. (laughs) Hold on. Let me get my diet. Dr. Pepper.
1: (laughs) You and your need for sustenance.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about? Dr. Pepper is mostly water. True. It's, Besides it's the it's 20, got water in it
1: flavors.
0: It's got water in it plus it comes with 23 flavors.
1: Is water one of the 23 flavors?
0: Uh I'm pretty sure that pancreatic cancer is, but I'm not certain on that.
1: This podcast brought to you by pancreatic cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Questionable Guide to Life.
0: I am your host, Johnny Sasquatch, and this is my cohort,
1: Landon. It me. So, me and Johnny have made a discovery on the internet oh, and nice. it is that when you get on Wikipedia you are always at all times seven clicks away from Hitler.
0: This is a, this is a fact. This is a fact. And not a Gaia Network fact. This, is, this has been tested yeah. tried and true Um. I, We've done it Wikipedia. like over
1: 10 times now. Um, we started from Bahrain basketball team and we made it within seven clicks. There were a couple where, actually, from the home page of Wikipedia, I made it to Hitler in, I think, three clicks. Oh, yeah. So if you go past seven clicks, somewhere along the way, you missed Hitler.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Or and sometimes even getting to seven, you'll have seen Hitler three times before you get to seven, and you have to work to make it seven clicks.
1: Oh yeah. So sometimes Hitler is you know five clicks away. Maybe you'll hit random article and you'll just get Hitler.
0: Oh yeah. Did we hit random article and got like the SS?
1: Yeah. The uh, the ultimate <laughs> irony that we were trying to go from a random place to Hitler, and it took us straight to Hitler.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was hilarious, and then and then we got our we got our close friend um from Australia to give us like an Australian thing because we're, like obviously if it's like a, a American page like we can get to Hitler pretty quickly because you know we fought Hitler right and I was like all right so Australia I mean Australia was not involved in World War II as heavily as other people and he gave us like a flood from like 2012 in like the Queensland in like Queensland Australia and we still got to Hitler in yeah seven, we still six.
1: made it easy
0: yeah so that just like and 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 this isn't like calling wikipedia like nazi or anything what it is is just hitler has that much pull on history that you can get to him in seven clicks from anything
1: there was one time actually we clicked on random it gave us a movie daniel craig was in that movie i remember that daniel craig played tuvia bielski in defiance and that's a movie um, about essentially a, uh, a guy that rescued a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of the Jews in World War II. And they lived in the woods and everything. And I remembered seeing that movie, and I was like, I know how to get to Hitler. So if you yeah. have any kind of like knowledge about just World War II in general or media from there, and you see a link to that, you can get to Hitler super easy. It's, it's crazy.
0: But it's and it's never like you got to click a million times to get to something that's related to Hitler to get to Hitler. It's yeah, no, seven it's clicks easy. away. Yeah, like it's there. so. Sometimes, sometimes you get something related to Hitler super quick, and then you're like, "All right, cool." So, like, if we keep it, we want to keep with seven clicks. We'll just click all this other stuff, and then it'll lead to Hitler. But Hitler was already on that page four pages back.
1: How many times do you think we've said Hitler now? Oh,
0: so many times.
1: At least seven.
0: I mean, yeah, at least seven. Yeah, we we've got seven Hitlers away from clicks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> click two. <laughs> no, this is click seven. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that way, the first click is seven clicks from Hitler. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, Sharknado, Sharknado. <laughs>
0: Oh, speaking of terrible speaking of terrible things uh that were in pop culture and people would like to forget. Um so today I was like um I had like one of those weird like nostalgia moments where I remembered a television show from my childhood where I was like, Did this show even exist in my head? Because I had like heck I could not remember the name of it. I remembered the premise and I was like, it's like street sharks, but they were they were dinosaurs instead of sharks. I was like how do i not know the name of the show and like i was like digging for it on like the wiki for like fox kids and like saturday morning cartoons and stuff just did a full-on deep dive and like full-on deep dive searching for it i could not find it i was like did i imagine this did i imagine this and then finally i gave up and i just like looked up the premise of the show as like a a google search right and it was like and i saw this say it was like top 5 dinosaur shows of the 80s and 90s right and i clicked on it and sure enough like the third one on the list was this show and i was like okay i'm not crazy by the way the show if you want to look it up is called extreme dinosaurs and basically extreme dinosaurs that sounds yeah.
1: so familiar to me
0: dude and it's it's basically it's it's a spin off of street sharks it's made by the same creators as street sharks but it's like dinosaurs like from like the like actual dinosaur era and like some like otherworldly being comes and like gives them brains and muscles and gadgets and stuff and like wants them to be evil. And immediately they're like, no, we're not evil. And then like, so then he's like, all right, fine. And he like throws them out of his spaceship and then he like grabs raptors and like the raptors are down to be evil. And then it's like, <laughs> the raptors destroy the dinosaurs in the world essentially, like being the extinction of the dinosaurs because they use a weapon from another plane that destroys the world or whatever for the dinosaurs. And but they're like in cryostasis while the world is imploding. So then they show up like in modern time and stuff. It's it's such a weird concept for a show, but for Sounds some like reason I'm to That's it. This was
1: a show for kids?
0: Oh yeah, it was it was like a show for kids, but I mean, like you gotta keep in mind, it's like in the, in the '90s. It's like the '90s, oh, yeah, like didn't care. cartoon for boys, where it's like nothing but straight up violence and then like corny one-liners. And it's amazing. It's an amazing show. I like watched the entire first episode today because I was just like, I need to live this nostalgia.
1: <laughs> I need to be there again. Street Shark sounds like a shark that other sharks owe money.
0: Oh, yeah, he's just like, he's just like, give me all your money or I'll break your kneecaps.
1: He's will be sleeping with me tonight. <laughs> <He'll> be <laughs> sleep- <laughs> we'll be sleeping together tonight.
0: Because, <laughs> you know, when you're a shark mobster, you can't be like, you'll be sleeping with the fishes. Like, you're just like, you're sleeping with me tonight.
1: How aggressive. But he's just an aggressive guy. Yeah. yeah. He's no moth
0: squash. Dude, but- moth squash would fold up street shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> With the callback, also, also speaking of episode one things, I actually uh, misspoke in episode one, and I uh, uh, it was on the subject of Gerard Way's comic books. His first comic book was not called The Runaways; it was called uh, Killjoys. That was the actual official title of that comic, and I needed to make that correction because it was driving me crazy for the past couple of days that I fucked that up. So
1: yeah he's he has mentioned it to everyone that said that they enjoy that section he's like let me mess that up for you
0: let me hurt you like let me let me make you think that you looked up a like and it's nothing on the runaways comic books like those exist those are a great comic book but i i just want to make sure that gerard way doesn't get credit for that person's work Uh, it's definitely not gerard ray that wrote the runaways he wrote the killjoys so
1: So good i wonder if gerard now is like damn i really liked that credit
0: (laughs) i'm pretty sure that gerard probably is nowhere close to the realm of listening to this podcast right now um but you know one of these days
1: (laughs) well since so many people are getting gaia ads now from this i bet that gerard way is getting our ads like for our part <laughs> we don't even have ads and he's getting them.
0: <laughs> and he just pops and up in his recommended podcast? his recommended casts on Spotify like
1: <laughs> he just snaps his phone and pulls another one out and starts anew.
0: This is my new life.
1: <laughs> I am Warard J.
0: Warard J. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean technically um if we wanted to be, it would be Wurard Gay, but
1: <laughs> got him. Um, well,
0: because <laughs> pronunciation does it w- w- would definitely change in that in that sense because G and an A together will never be J.
1: Yeah, there are <laughs> people that call GIFs gifs.
0: Graphics a, interchange feelings on this. format. Graphics interchange format. It's a GIF. You don't say you don't say um you know graphics when you try to say graphics, right? And then other <laughs> people are like, but giraffe. But giraffe though. I was like, but giraffe is only giraffe because there's an R after the I
1: My good old gorge form and grill. My drill.
0: Yeah, but is this but is this but is this isn't peanut butter, okay? Okay, it's not GIF. It's, it's, it's not peanut butter. It's GIF. Graphics interchange format. <laughs> like I said, very strong opinions.
1: Yeah, I had very strong, strong feelings on this. <laughs> bothers me.
0: Just like I have a very strong feeling that if I look up graphics interchange format on Wikipedia, I could get to Hitler in seven clicks.
1: Yeah. It also bothers me that the guy that made it was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's GIF, that's fine. Like, no. No, no, no you four-eyed five-headed bitch. No! <laughs> it's GIF.
0: <laughs> and welcome to our podcast where we get to be really nerdy about things like pronunciation.
1: Alexa set a bomb for three PM tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm riled up now. The guy that made it is the kind of guy that puts his gum on top of the desk.
0: <laughs> Set a Bob for three p.m. tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> huh. Well, I know what uh, what we're not doing at three p.m. tomorrow, which is editing this podcast.
1: <laughs> that's that's
0: it too. <laughs> we have to get it done in one hour before the computer explodes. <laughs>
1: no, no backups of it like it's it's on there when it's uploaded. that's it <laughs> I've made oh. my decision. This is the hill I die on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will die on this hill, and I will be proud of this very moment. He's just like, you just like show up. And like and like you're in like the, the police precinct wearing like fucking braveheart paint. Just like just like freedom It's GIF <laughs> like, is that the guy with the
1: Alexa bomb
0: <laughs>
1: I bombed, arrest him
0: I bombed Alexa because GIF
1: <laughs> Just like start beating the shit out of me <laughs>
0: he's just like Become- they may take our lives but they will never take our pronunciation
1: <laughs> man if i got crippled i think i would just be more powerful it's like i would invest everything possible in getting like the best chair i could i'd be like stephen hawking unplugged and recharged
0: dude like, honestly honestly if i ever was like disabled and i was put putting- I would just hire professional actors to make me seem like Professor X. <laughs> I would like. I would like. I'd, I I would spare no expense because obviously I would be getting like ridiculous amounts of money because I'd be doing nothing but recording this podcast because I can't move anyway. Um, but I would, you know, I'd get like the really fancy wheelchair with the X rims and like shave my head bald and hire a bunch of actors. So that I could like pretend to read people's minds in public.
1: I'd get like hella prosthetics like to make me look like I'm in awful shape. Like worse shape than I am. Like like I got curb stomped and left out in the sun. <laughs> and like they're like, how is he doing it? It it seems like he can't even talk. You're like, and you're like just I just like You're
0: like, I just want to look like Mr. Robot's like actual like body from uh Invincible. Yeah. Like I want to be that. I, I want to be that. Like little, like fucking bean in a water tank. Yeah, like a, <laughs> like a polished,
1: sun-dried tomato. Oh, <laughs> uh, wet and gross all the time.
0: Yeah, just you just want to look like a like 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 the most messed up thing ever. You know, you want to look I, like you want to look like an avocado that just got left out in the sun for like. Days.
1: I mean that's the goal, but I'm also gonna start talking like uh <laughs> like Mr. Robot, so like everything's gonna change. Like if I have to shit, I'll be like, take me to the masturbatorium.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was a calculation I could see coming. So <laughs> uh 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> episode two and you've already got robot come.
0: <laughs> we just hit that level of like um ridiculousness where we're just like, you know what? Uh people are gonna like this regardless of how ridiculous we say. Cause last episode we were like, people are really gonna identify with this podcast. They're gonna talk about like, yeah, you guys talked about some real issues and like I felt great about that. But it turned out everybody was just like Moth Squatch is king.
1: Yeah, Moth Squatch became <laughs> an icon, like unexpectedly. I mean, yeah, like my- funny ass idea. Like we were really rolling <laughs> with that, but I did not expect him to get the fame that he did. We've oh yeah, like I- first fan art.
0: Oh yeah. Dude, we already received Moth Squatch fan art, and people are already requesting posters and t-shirts of Moth Squatch. And we're like, dude, we have one episode of a podcast. We haven't (laughs) made enough money.
1: (laughs) Yo, like we we can't dive into merch yet. We have one.
0: One. One. Which, by the way, thank you for everybody who listens to this podcast. Because we hit like episode 20 numbers on our first ever episode in like 24 hours. So you guys are like the real OGs for that.
1: And, uh, we're, yeah. So we're already hitting those, those really good stats. And I, we really appreciate that because we're just here to entertain people. I love to make people laugh. I love to, to also share some of the things that I know. Um, and some of the things I think I know.
0: <laughs> and you know, it's, you know, what's funny. I just realized whenever we do end up with a Wikipedia page for a podcast, in the inevitable future, Adolf Hitler will be one click away because they'll bring it up in the Wikipedia article.
1: Probably. Like, said Hitler <laughs> 917 times in episode 2. I'm going to get an email from Spotify and they're like, hey, you sure did talk about Hitler a lot.
0: Yeah, do you want to change gest- your genre? <laughs> like, Do you want to be an alt-right podcast, please? Uh, you said Hitler quite a bit. <laughs> and we're like no no thanks I'm sorry I also I actually this is actually the second episode we've mentioned Hitler in because I definitely said Hitler in the first podcast too yeah,
1: yeah. that's true is this a yeah. recurring theme
0: dude I I don't sound like I want to say it all the time yeah. it's just you know it's seven words away from whatever I'm saying <laughs>
1: It's the same as it's seven clicks away No matter where you're at
0: No matter what sentence you're in You can add seven words to relate it to Hitler In, in, in summation, Hitler is seven Steps away from anything
1: Yeah, like my uncle Glenn With seven N's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just looks like Glenn Like all the way across <laughs>
0: But eventually, we, just want, we want to get to the level of fame where Moth Squatch is seven clicks away from anything. Make it happen.
1: R slash Moth Squatch?
0: Dude, R slash Moth Squatch. And like, like I want it to be like, you know, eventually gets to the point where like Wizards of the West Coast make Moth Squatches a real thing in like D&D and, sh- and stuff like that.
1: Easy to homebrew, but we got to make it official.
0: But my thing, is, my thing is, like you would have to make it... The um, problem with uh, Moth Squatch is you can't make them a player character because if you make him a player character he's like too overpowered and uh so you would basically have to design a module style game mode where it's like call of the moth squatch or something where moth squatch is the main yeah. bad guy at the end of a one shot yeah he campaign. would either
1: have to be like yeah at the end of a campaign or a guide character that you can't fight
0: yeah like, like he, would, <laughs> he would he would he would he would have to he would have to be like Strahd, you know, at the cur- in the Curse of Strahd. Like, he would have to be, like, the big bad. And, then, and then it would have to be, like, you have to seal him away in, like, a, a pocket dimension to defeat him type deal.
1: Yeah, you have, to, you have to send him to the Squatch dimension, where all the other, like, Squatch monsters exist. Because, apparently, Sasquatch really gets around.
0: And I really want it to be, like, a, a case of, like, where Squatch is, like, the god of all bugbears. You know, like, because oh. like bug bears don't have very much backstory in like the cult. They're, they're just like the, the boogeyman for goblins and hobgoblins, essentially. Like, that's like their kind of backstory. So it'd be cool to like make a deity for, you know, bugbears. Give bugbears a purpose. We're really yeah, reaching bug out. Bears, yeah, like give give bugbears a purpose. And then you've just got Moth squatch is the god of all bugbears.
1: We've really if turned you- this thing into something.
0: Yeah, if you if you're listening, uh, Wizards of the West Coast, um, we will gladly get together with all of our D and D buddies and produce this for you as like just a Rick and Morty like like you guys did a Rick and Morty add on. I think we can do Mosquatch as an add on for D and D. I think I think we can make and do the dice up real good. You know, just we'll make it all cryptid themed. There's gonna be like all sorts of cryptids in there. You know, like lizard like like lizard folk that aren't kobolds and stuff like that. It'll be great. Yeah.
1: Maybe some gross ones, like a goo, like a shit squatch. You know. <laughs> all it's the gross. cryptids.
0: that boy's going to show up, you know, Oh yeah, with his sonar vision, Jesus
1: Christ you know it's insane, um, being this far away from each other we can we can have something like this, and I was actually really thinking about that the other day, just all the friendships that I've made online that are so much more interpersonal than ones that I've made in person. Like I I have some like really close friends in person, but when the pandemic really like fired off and everyone just started like staying home and you know nobody was really out doing anything, during all of that I made all of these like really awesome friendships and the skater XL community had really um really been like pumped up, you know, around like September and everything and that's when I that's when I met you. That's when I met like all the uh the Wolfpack guys, uh, you know, William, all the guys on the battle page. And I made these like really close friendships. And the last time that I think anything like that happened to me was when I was like I had to have been like thirteen or fourteen when I first started like looking around for like online communities to be a part of, and I found this one that let you create games using your own coding systems that are based on other coding systems um and so essentially you could create your own coding language and make all of these like fan games like there were a bunch of Naruto games and stuff like that and i made all these really close friends and that's when i learned how to do you know coding and i would just really look forward to talking to all these people and i think by the time i was um 18 I had like a two year hiatus and I came back and I made this, uh, this friend who went by Morty, um, very, very talented musician. And we just got really close. Um, and we would, we would talk constantly after we had, uh, we had met on beyond. Like, it was just like, a like, Hey, let's take this outside of beyond add me on Snapchat. And then we started playing Pokemon together. um, and it's just insane these connections that you can make online these days oh, yeah. and even when we were kids you know that's when it really like popped off making all these friends online and i think a lot of people during the pandemic realized that those friendships are real friendships
0: oh yeah well see the thing is like i feel like for uh gamers and stuff we've always known that and mm-hmm. uh but like the rest of society that was always like out and about and the hikers and the active people and stuff didn't didn't see it that way. So like it caused like this huge division between people because you know you would get into a relationship with somebody who was more active and you were like a gamer or whatever and they'd be like, well, why aren't you spending time with me? Why are you talking to these people you don't even meet online and stuff? Like it would like devaluing those friendships. Like you're not just hanging out with the boys, you know, like having a boys' night. Like they don't see it that they didn't see it that way. But I feel like that's one of the one positives to come out of the pandemic is that like people are realizing that those are valid relationships like those are those are friends like because like at this point like if if uh something ever happened to you out there in arkansas and i had the means to come from washington state where i'm at now and like get to arkansas and help you with that i would fucking do it in a heartbeat because like we've established that friendship without ever like being in the same room as each other initially
1: yeah, and and it's a real friendship. And there were so many times during my childhood where I was told, oh, you're, you're never going to meet those people. Why is that important? Or like, why are you wasting? This is the, the biggest thing. Why are you wasting all that time doing that coding crap like that? <laughs> it's just the <laughs> biggest mistake. <laughs> oh, dude, the <laughs> other one,
0: the other one that every like 90s parent always told their kids was like, you're never going to make money playing video games. And now we have, like, streamers that are making, like, multi-millions of dollars off of their streams and stuff. And we've got, you know, Major League Gaming and all of that stuff. And we've got the World of Warcraft guys that are making money off of creating content for a game that they used to just play and stuff like that. Like, it's the biggest lie you were ever told was that you were never going to make money off of video games. Yes, it's hard uh, to get into that, but, like... All of us that started that early definitely had a chance to do it.
1: It There's definitely kind of a parallel with uh, with skateboarding as well, because uh, like you said in the last podcast, you know, if you'd have shown a pro from way back, you know, way back when, a three sixty flip on a skateboard, or like talked about the concept, they'd be like, "No way, that's wild." And so, I don't think it was a concept in our parents' heads, but we were already headed that way. I mean, achievement hunters started like way back when now um and they're they're doing great. They've been doing great. And they they play video games and so it became a real career path. And I I feel like there are some parents that are beating themselves up about that because they probably had a really talented kid that they just completely
0: shunned out of it. Oh yeah, and like well the thing is the thing is like people treated people treated video games like they were like this super niche thing back then that, like, it was a waste of time, it was a waste of space, and all that stuff, and, like, now we, after, like, studying the science behind video games, and why people get addicted to video games, and all that stuff, it's because it activates the same brain receptors, and things like that, as, you know, like, flying, a you know, an F-16 fighter jet, like, it, it gives you that same level of adrenaline, that same level of, um, you know, like, brain high, essentially doing these things.
1: Well on dude that I can't explain really in a better way the rush that you feel when you're playing it could be a shooter it could be a hack and slash type game but when you get completely overwhelmed and then you come out of it and you win that rush oh yeah is oh it's the best thing in the whole world you feel like you are on top of the world
0: Dude, and you see it with uh even even when it's not like shooter games like when you're playing fighting games, and you get down to like that last like sliver of health and you come back and you get that win, dude. It's like it's such a feeling of euphoria that you're like you're like I am the champion. I am the god of all gods. Like It's yeah, it's that <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And 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 a lot of it is people chasing that dragon uh, essentially like it's related it's like a drug uh, habit is people chasing that dragon of finding moments like that and the problem is now um, video games don't have those moments just automatically anymore um, because it's all you versus other people now you know uh, like they don't, they don't give you those struggles in campaigns anymore it's just kind of like a hey this campaign's so that you can unlock stuff to play with other people and we can steal your money later
1: yeah, the I feel like difficulty has been replaced with a grind because a lot of games are grindy now. Like it's like, oh hey, go kill two thousand of this enemy to level up, and you're only fighting two at one time, or like you know maybe maybe three or four in like a really good case, as opposed to like when we were younger and we're playing a game, we're like, I I can't beat this one guy, I can't do it, and then it it takes you like three hours. Dark Souls is the closest thing that, like, to me, that has come to that. And that's an extreme.
0: I'm sorry, but on that topic, topic, I think Dark Souls is what ruined video gaming.
1: I love Dark Souls.
0: So, no, like, I'm not saying that Dark Souls is not a good game by any means. But it ruined um, a lot of adventure games when it came out. Because, like, if you look at, you know, adventure games like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that they had, you know, intuitive four button systems that, you know, it was like a counter counter attack system and then after dark souls came out all of those games started going into the bumper and trigger control system of dark souls to try to make combat more difficult because they felt like their combat was lacking but then you lost the magic of, you know, just mindlessly slaying an entire city of guards and things like that, which was what made the assassin's creed series great for a lot of us like yeah, the history and the story in those games is fantastic, but when you take away the mechanic that made it just fun and casual on top of that, it just made the games not fun to play anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, like, I played... Oh, I played the life out of Assassin's Creed 2, um, and then, you know, Brotherhood, Revelations was okay. Not even gonna get into that, but... Um, so I have strong feelings on that. But uh, then, after... he it was, like, three... After that, they started changing things up too much. Um, and, yeah. it, and I played um, Odyssey and a little bit of the newest one, that Viking one, um, and they just didn't really feel the same anymore. The, I think things are now going more towards like an RPG route. Yeah, um, and that's with a lot uh, of things.
0: And that's the thing is because um, the industry, when Dark Souls came out, that became the new difficulty standard that everybody was striving for was to give people the difficult experience of making it through like a Dark Souls-esque game. And the problem was Ubisoft already had efficient systems to run those games and make those games amazing, but they abandoned those systems because they're a big-name company, and they wanted to grab hold of that niche market of difficult games, but they wanted to do it with a big-name... Games, so they weren't fighting to get a new game recognized,
1: and there were there were also some of those games that really tried with the Dark Souls system, and it really didn't work. Um, what, oh, what is yeah. it called Code Vein, actually. I so I really tried to give Code Vein a chance because I'm a big fan of the Dark Souls series. I I just really like how thought out their stories are, and just the lore is so captivating. Um, but Code Vein really tried to capture their systems of how they do, you know, weapons and classes and all that stuff, but they have it to where each, you know, class you use has its own leveling system, but you essentially have to use all of them to be the most effective that you can be, and so it just becomes a grind.
0: Oh yeah, and and the grinding part of gaming and I know this is going to sound blasphemous to a lot of people because I'm not an uh, avid player of this game, but World of Warcraft and and RuneScape started the grind uh, for for time because they wanted to make it so... Because because they're, they're um, monthly subscription services. They're, they're, they're time-based services. Mm-hmm. So they would stretch out the game... So that you had to consistently grind so that you would run out of time and you would re up your time. But then and, people started confusing that for something that you wanted in a game because you know people spent so much time playing those games and they were like, well, it's just a free way to add on game time. Uh, even as the someone longer...
1: that used to play uh RuneScape like a lot, and I actually picked it back up probably a year or two ago and then fell out of it again i would hard agree with every bit of that even as someone that l- like that likes runescape i totally agree because that is the model
0: well because the idea is the longer you play our game the more you're going to ask your friends to play that game with you and the more money we're going to make um that's the idea behind it because if you're playing my game you're not playing somebody else's and it's it's a it's a form of competitiveness. So like that's why, you know. But there are games out there that don't that don't present that grind. Um, that are still they're still making those games. A uh, great example of that is Quantic Dream. Quantic Dream does not care about you grinding stuff out. Quantic Dream wants to bring you a great story with intuitive controls. Yeah. To they relate want you to that feel story, something they want you. They they're there to incite emotion. They're there to give you a solid single-player experience, or in the case of Beyond Two Souls, a solid multiplayer experience. And um, if you
1: don't know Quantic Dream by name, I'm sure you know Detroit Become Human. I'm sure you know Beyond Two Souls, Heavy Rain. You've, you've probably at least heard of them. I, I couldn't recommend any games more than those.
0: And if you haven't heard of it, their first game installment was considered one of the most cult classic video games of all time. Uh, in I believe overseas it's called indigo prophecy and I believe here in the States it's called Fahrenheit or it could be the other way around. But it was like based around like black like That's like correct. witchcraft and all sorts of stuff. Uh and, oh, and, and it was
1: Fahrenheit in Europe.
0: Yeah, it was Fahrenheit in Europe and Indigo Prophecy here in the States. Yeah I, yeah, I I knew I got that mixed up, but yeah, but no, it's a it's a like I wouldn't recommend if you've played a newer quantic dream game to go back to play yeah, indigo this prophecy. Is like 05. Because this is like original Xbox PlayStation level like mechanics. So it still plays like a Max Payne style game yeah, essentially when you play as far as mechanics and it's go. and and the and the story is a little kooky, too, because they can only, you know, fit so much cinematic into a game on a console like that. So but it it's the if you want to see where it all started in the base notes of how they came up with the concept for Heavy Rain and all those other games it's a good start point to get into the studio if you haven't played their other games yet.
1: Yep. And if you're not looking to go back and start from there, um, a lot of people have, have playstations, um, go, go check out Detroit become human. Uh, It's moving. Very moving. They, I've never seen someone humanize robots so well.
0: Yeah. the, The last, the last thing that I know that could ever, about that well was iRobot. Like and it didn't even do as good of a job. <laughs> um and and the cool thing is like um they released it like during the, the peak of like the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that when it first started. Not when it first gained notoriety for the for like the recent stuff. But it started like when the Black Lives Matter movement first started, like way back in the day with, you know, like the George Zimmerman trial and stuff. And um they basically made it like a relatable thing to where it wasn't like a racial based thing, but more of a, um, a metaphor. It was a metaphor for all those problems we were having in the world, but through a way that people of any color, any creed could understand because it's, it's more humans versus robots instead of race versus race.
1: Beautiful storytelling. And And the thing is about those games is like you get so attached to the characters and early on it, they don't really play. Um, <laughs> early on, you can make a mistake and get a main character killed, and that's the story from then on. There's no, there's no redo. There's no let me, you know, let me go fix that. You st- if you make a mistake that's going to drastically affect your story that much, you've got to start over if, if you want something else. So you really got to care about your decisions.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely like a social experiment style of game, and I love those kinds of games. Um, there are a lot of very low rated games in that, uh, like uh, you know, player rated games or critically rated games in that sort of category. But it doesn't make them any less uh, fantastic of games. Uh, Indigo Prophecy is one of those games. Indigo Prophecy had like a two and a half star rating on Steam for such a long time, because like yeah, it 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 was clunky, it was rigid, it was terrible like in terms of mechanics but the the concept and the idea behind it is what kept it afloat and had it have such a a cult following it's you know it's kind of like you know like a duke nukem game like they're really fun to play but critically they're terrible you know um it's like it's just one of those things like so my thing is like um if you're one of those gamers who, like, you decide you want to play a game based off of user ratings or critic ratings, don't do not do that. Like, if you see a game where it sounds good and all the reviews are like, it's terrible, it's too hard, it's blah, blah, blah. No, just play it. Just play it. Because, because you know, every game, every there, there's a game for every person and there's a person for every game. So, like, even if you see, like, a something and it's called, like, you know, like, Wild Goose Simulator or something like that, maybe you'll enjoy it, you know?
1: Another one of those style I love that those cinematic series are really picking up because you have uh you have things like until dawn uh man of beaten more recently um we have uh the medium I don't know if you've played the medium
0: no unfortunately um I have what is called an outdated uh p c so my graphics card does not support the medium um <laughs> Yeah, because the medium is very taxing on your hardware. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to play the medium, um, I recommend uh, you know making sure that you have the hardware to run it first.
1: It's got some very tasking <laughs> um, requirements, but all of the um, the art in the alternate world that you see in this game, um, in some situations, your character is a medium, and the screen will split in half, and you'll see the world as she sees it, and the world as you see it. And the art of that spirit world is inspired by the painter uh, Zdzislaw Baksinski. And he's incredibly talented, makes some some really dark, creepy art. Like, when you see those towers that are made of skeletons, just things like that. Um, and it's just a wonderful representation of his art. And I'm glad that we're getting those more artsy, cinematic games
0: and honestly, if we want to talk about uh, art-based art-based games, uh, games that are like centered around uh, being very artistic, very like amazing, I I feel like it would be a crime not to bring up the PlayStation exclusive Ghost of Tsushima, because Ghost of Tsushima is a very artistic game. It's a very beautiful game. But the thing that really appeals to me about it is because I'm a like I'm a cinephile, like to the nth degree. I love classic cinema i love random movies and things like that but it's very based in the kurosawa samurai films so every time you get into a interaction in that game clipped and edited in a way to frame exactly like a classic samurai showdown and it's it's just so gorgeous and breathtaking of a game uh, i literally bought a playstation just to play it because it was like something that i was like yeah that i need to play this and and game mechanics wise game mechanics wise they didn't go dark souls with it it's like traditional assassins creed style gameplay but that's is...
1: still i mean that's not a bad way to go
0: yeah dude i'm telling you that old that that you know that batman arkham asylum uh captain america you know whatever that captain america game was like that style of like superhero beat em up counter counter attack system it's just it's just plain casual fun and uh, a lot of games now they're like Players aren't going to want to play for casual fun it's like no we don't we're not all achievement hunters, we're not all completionists we're we're not all collectors of like you know extras. Some of us just want a good story and want to have a casual fun time doing it.
1: You want to be able to sit back on the couch and not have to lean forward and and go into a mode sometimes.
0: Yeah, my whole thing is like it's like when I play a game, I'm playing a game as like a slight escapism, whatever I to speak to me i want it to be like you know an experience i want to experience it i don't want to feel stressed out from it like 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 yeah the small levels of stress of like ooh, this is a dangerous situation are fine but i don't want it to be like i have to repeat the same level 900 times on the easiest setting you know what i'm saying like that's that's not something that i would i enjoy i like like i do enjoy a challenge in a game but it needs to be a mental challenge and not a like physical capability to hit buttons fast enough challenge, you know.
1: I definitely get that. Another really great game. Um, it's made by, uh, I believe, is an indie studio. Uh, they made a game called Fractured Minds. It's it's actually on, I think it's on Game Pass. Very small game, very short game, but it sort of encapsulates what the experience of having schizophrenia, anxiety, um, like, you know, a fear of crowds, like it it really shows, you know, what that's kind of like emotionally for someone. And playing through that game, I was just so touched because they have, um, you know, they have those moments of like extreme self-doubt, just exemplified, Um, you know, such as like when you're in a room alone, and you really start to get into your own head, you know some light flashes, and there's words all over the wall, and it's just self-deprecating stuff
0: oh um, there there are quite a few games like that now, um, uh, not to cut you off and talking yeah. about this game, but um, the the two that come to mind for me are number one is Senua, uh Senua's sacrifice.: Oh my, it's about um, a
1: Viking like um, lady that has schizophrenia. In, yeah, you know, in the Viking Age
0: and basically her schizophrenia demon is a, a um it's a Scottish warrior that uh you know was like somebody that she killed on the battlefield or whatever and she's trying to basically rescue him from the gates of Norse hell. Uh is like her whole quest in it. Um and like her her demons and stuff personify and become the gods um and like you know it's it's really it's a really cool portrayal of it and if you're gonna play it you have to play it with headphones because um it it lessens the experience if you don't because you hear like it utilizes voices.
1: omnidirectional audio for the voices
0: yeah and you hear voices whispering in your ear like turn back turn back you're not good enough you're not good enough, and stuff like and, it, it yeah, really and it's it really messes from with behind you, you. Yeah, it's it's amazing it's it's so like and the cool thing is it was like a studio of like four people that made that game. That game was a very small studio that made that game. And now it's one of the the second game in the installment is now a launch game, like uh, like a, uh, a central game to the start of Xbox's campaign for the Series X.
1: Just went to the like, Game Pass app to check. Hellblade is still on the front page.
0: As yeah, a Hellblade. Game. So Hellblade, uh, Microsoft actually acquired the company. I, I believe that makes Hellblade to give them more money to produce a second game. Um, they wanted they they wanted to fund the project, and, but the th- the cool thing is uh, because uh, Microsoft is so cool with the idea of cross platform play, um, they're not making it an Xbox exclusive. They're they're letting it go to PlayStation and, and PC as well. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an installment that everybody can play. And that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. I love when um... I love
1: the whole cross platform things coming. There are all of these things that like are, you know, kind of shitty coming into the gaming industry and everything. But the like the whole, like just about everything is cross platform. Now I'm loving it because I have so many friends that are on PlayStation or they're, they're on Xbox, but I still can't play cross platform with them through PC um, I have an Xbox, but like my PC is significantly better, so I would prefer that. Um, so when these games are cross-compatible, it just opens up so many new avenues for people.
0: And I think the next step they need to take is they need to make Discord available on all three so that we can have those party chats. Um where like, you know, the party chat aspect of playing video yeah. games. Um, because that's the only thing that's lacking from cross-platform play is being required to use the in-game uh communication services because in a lot of those games they're they're very like not okay or like you'll get cut out audio when loading screens hit and things like that
1: one game that's actually really good about it um oddly enough and is one of the most cross-platform games i've ever seen is uh no man's sky i actually i played it originally on xbox um and it's a space exploration game um to to boil it down to its basics and uh i started it on xbox then i got you know i got my new pc and i wanted to try it in vr but i didn't want to start from the beginning so i actually got on my xbox and joined a server with my vr self and met myself in a game to give myself items to sell (laughs) that is the most futuristic thing that has ever happened to me in video games because i was i lifted my oculus up and i was looking at the tv because on uh on my xbox i was looking at my vr self so i was waving around my hands and like just seeing what i would do on the screen and it blew my mind
0: oh yeah and um uh, as a vision impaired person um i never really could get into vr just because comfort uh reasons uh just you know wearing glasses in a VR headset is very uncomfortable um but there are advances now um that Oculus is going through um to make it they more actually have a glasses spacer
1: that's really good Yeah, that's what i use yeah um, but my
0: but my thing was, it was just, it was the weight of it, the weight of it all. Yeah, um,
1: that does bother. Like, there are a lot of people that does bother. Um, it doesn't bother me, but I'm also like six three, and so like a little bit more weight on me isn't anything. Um, yeah, but like there are people that are really bothered by the weight and the Oculus too. Um, apparently, has done a whole lot better.
0: Uh, the other thing, the other thing is, a lot of people think that it's. Like because their coordination is poor, they're not going to be very good at VR games. But there are there are handicaps on systems to adapt to you not being the most coordinated person in the world. Um, they're not yeah. designed to be difficult. It's not like, uh, you know, a boxing game is not going to track your exact movement of your arm. Like it's like it'll it'll some like of you them are like,
1: really good about yeah. It. But, but, you some, but you don't have to play those. Like it's not yeah, a necessity.
0: But no, they have boxing games where if you throw a, a shitty jab, it's still going to come a proper. Jab. Yeah,
1: or yeah. you know, um, you're still going to get the same damage.
0: Yeah, you're still going to do the same damage if your form is not. You know, yeah, it's not um,
1: super hot's So actually, a really good example of this. Um, no matter what, it's like you, you know, you hit the enemy once, they're dead. That's it. Because um, it's one of those games. Uh, I well, I say one of those games, but it's there are very few like this. You essentially. Start the level, and when you move, the world around you moves. So, it teaches you how to essentially solve this puzzle of beating every enemy around you while making as few movements as possible and dodging bullets as you see them, you know, as you move and you see the bullet exit the gun. Um, and honestly, <laughs> it made me so uh, dexterous and super hot. <laughs> And I started using it as a, a workout for a little while, actually. I would get in my Oculus and I would beat Super Hot like every day. And I could do it in an hour <laughs> and a half.
0: See, uh my experience with Super Hot is completely different because I played it on the Xbox. Um ah. it was very frustrating.
1: You guys have more than we do.
0: It was very frustrating to play with a controller, uh, just so you know. Um I'd imagine so. Um But you know, uh I've always loved uh games that challenge like the traditional structure of a game mm-hmm. um ea is doing this wonderful thing with games now um where they're forcing human connection uh with their games uh a way out and with it takes two um they're required to be multiplayer like you cannot play it single player so if basically you have what it is,
1: someone that you're super close to sorry to cut you off on this um just to add if you have someone you're really really close to play these games with them
0: oh yes and 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 another thing is um so uh i am recently separated i'm i'm soon to be divorced and uh it's a very tough process to go through but if you and your partner um are looking for a game to play together to maybe like strengthen your relationship with each other it takes two is a fantastic game to play because the basis of that game is basically it's two parents going through a divorce and their child has um this desire for them to stay together this desire for them to be you know okay so she basically traps them in this imaginary world uh that she's built in her head and you have to work together to solve the problem and to get back to reality so it it explores that deep topic of you know staying together for the kids kind of deal but it doesn't present it in a way where it's you know like gender biased or anything like that, like the mom in the game is the more handy one and the dad is the more emotionally sound one instead of being you know the typical yeah, gender roles. Yeah, they, and don't, stuff like they don't they don't
1: fall into those roles.
0: Yeah, so it's a it's a very open and it, but it doesn't force it down your throat either. Basically, what it is is a game that's like uh, it. Basically, the moral of the story of that game is to teach you that a relationship is about collaboration, whether you agree with each other or not and it's it's a it's a crazy message to come from a studio as big as uh, electronic arts
1: something that that game really taught me i played it with uh, one of my really close friends actually um that i've known since i was a, a kid and one thing that i really got from it was um not to hide you know from a kid that you're fighting with each other but let them see you make up yeah like let them see you that there is like see that there is resolution
0: yeah and the and the whole thing is um uh it also explores you know the idea that you know um being vicious and cold to each other when you have a disagreement can cause damage on third parties um it's very good at explaining that and but the thing is like it's not it's not super heavy like the game isn't super heavy uh, it doesn't. Yeah, it's like, just it the message
1: it puts across. Yeah, it
0: doesn't rip your heart out every step of the way. You know, like there's times where yes, it, it tear jerks you a little bit. Yeah, but the like, end is
1: a real tear jerk. But the actual, Man. but the yeah.
0: actual, the actual gameplay of that game is super fun, lighthearted, very. It's very. It's it, and like each stage has like a different mechanic for each character to go through, so you're not in the same bland. Um, usage uh, so like each section of the game you have different powers yeah, you have different, you have a different tools role. and gadgets so like in some parts the dad has a more of a bigger role in it than the mother and like some points the mother has a bigger role so you get a very balanced gameplay experience so there's no like fighting over which character you want to be and at the same the
1: time even though one person on one level may have a bigger role they can't complete that level without you you are so important still
0: Yeah, and and they toyed with that with a way out. A way out is like the first installment of trying this this model with a game, which is basically way
1: out was such an experience for me.
0: For me, for me, I I relate um, the two game. The game that I relate the most to a way out in terms of like the the vibe of it is uh, Watchmen: The End Is Nigh. Uh, Because played that. So Watchmen: The End Is Nigh was a Watchmen-based video game. It was very Batman Arkham Asylum in its gameplay uh but you work together as Night Owl and Rorschach in it. And I'm sorry I'm gonna spoil this game for people and like ruin the ending of it. But basically what it is is you work together for the entire game and in the very last level is you fight each other. Yeah. So it's it's um like a way out basically kind of follows that same format and I'm not I'm not gonna explain why the the falling out happens at the end of a way out because that game is still very current but you know i beat that
1: game three times and each time with a different person and each time i i acted after the first time each time i acted surprised now the second time i kind of was because i've i've played as both characters at this point yeah and so i've seen every ending and no matter what ending it is that you get you feel this Not necessarily a sense of betrayal because of all that, but mourning, really. You didn't want this to happen because you end up loving the characters. You end up meeting both of their families and, and it shows the, it shows the, hearing about them and, it really
0: shows the two sides to every coin aspect of the world. Um, It's a very centric game. Like it doesn't make you pull for one character or the other either way. Um, it's very very middle middle ground in the way that the story is presented so uh, you fall in love with your character and then by the end of it you're fighting tooth and nail for everything your character has and it it, it's like it it programs your brain to be like no my character needs to make it through this
1: and then um, at the same time it presents this but i'm taking away all of this from someone else that's made this entire yeah. journey with me, so you feel bad about it, but at the same time, you want to—you know—you want your character to live. So it's—it's it's really just this whole lesson on, you know, two sides of the same coin.
0: And and the funny thing is, um, both of these games I have played through uh, one time. I never finished. Uh, it takes two. I never finished it. Um, but uh, both of the times I played through these games, it was with my my soon to be ex wife. And they were, like, hands down, like, me and my soon-to-be ex-wife are still best friends. Um, we, we had a very um, peaceful and uh, okay transition into no longer being married. Um, still consider her one of my best friends in this world. Uh, because my whole, my whole concept on marriage was, I want to marry my best friend and die with my best friend. But in the same regard, if we get divorced and we're still best friends, so I'm still dying with my best friend regardless. So I had to, I had to learn that like you don't hold on to that and you don't like trap that person in a cage. If they want to just be your friend, that's fine. Like that's, that's a perfectly normal human response. And it takes the emotional maturity to be like, it's okay. But the thing is with those games, every time we played those games, we worked very well together because we had that connection and we had that um, you know, that connection with each other. But at the same time, there's there's still great memories and I still hold on to them because there's some of the best times I ever had was playing these games with these people because it gets you so close on a like a different level. But the thing is like you're not getting close to each other in the sense of you're getting to know each other. You're just getting to know um the
1: same story together.
0: Right? Yeah, you're you're learning something together and as well. And and it's it's amazing. It's a it's a fun experience and I mean, I, when we sat down to play A Way Out, we beat the whole game in, like, one shot. Like, one go. Because it's we started,
1: Yeah,
0: we started at, like, noon, and we finished at, like, 8 o'clock at night or something like that. And, like, you know, we took breaks to eat dinner or whatever, but we, we played through it. And it was one of those games where it's so it draws you in so much that you're just like, yep, this is what we're doing. <laughs> like, you nope. had plans, but not anymore. You're going to finish this game. There's a part <laughs> of
1: the game where you both play uh you play basketball um with uh i think it's leo's kid um in like that that uh like trailer park
0: yeah and And there's also also a baseball mini game in there as well yeah
1: yeah um when me and my buddy miguel played through it (laughs) the kid like we never gave him the ball we kept dunking on him (laughs) and we just we were like don't let him get the ball (laughs) like fuck that kid
0: (laughs) dude oh another cool fun fact is the games were both those games were developed by the same sub studio so there is a there is a a easter egg in it takes two if you find it um where you can actually like both get into a uh you get into this like secret room basically and it has the characters from way out talking to each other if you uh, activate the buttons together and it's it's pretty cool
1: I love little easter eggs like that like in uh in one of the Halo games when you uh when you walk up to this blast door um if you're a fan of red versus blue you can actually hear uh, I actually I'm not the huge. I think it's Tucker and Caboose. But yeah, yeah. Um, I knew Caboose for sure. But it's them talking to each other on the other side of this like blast shield. And it's yeah, just the and it was like thing. I love. No, Easter. it's
0: it's it's Tucker. Tucker is on the outside and he's like banging on the door and he's like, "Let me in, let me in." And and then Caboose, the guy who plays Caboose, is like, "What's the password?" He's like, "I don't have time for the password." <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was like it was a funny little like it was like the ultimate red versus blue like teaser inside of a halo game and the fact that halo was so cool bungie was so cool with like letting it be in there um was was it was a step forward for um people like us you know comedic uh people to have influence on the games that we use to create our comedy and it was it was a good step forward in video gaming um i think because like now you get a lot eggs and games where like content creators for games are getting characters and things like that um i think it's so i think so in world of warcraft there's one of the two where it's uh in one of the towns there was there was a kid who uh was a big fan and he was uh dying of cancer right and he's um he played the hunter class and he like the way a hunter class works is you have a like a pet like a companion for one of the builds of the hunter class and that's the class that he played so, um, as like a nod to him, because uh, because he was like a Make-A-Wish kid or whatever, his wish was to be in World of Warcraft forever, like to never have to give it up. So, they have a town where um, you feed his pet for him. Like, that's the mission that you do. Like, you come up to him and they, they, they recorded his voice giving you the mission. Um, so, like, it's a very raspy and whispery, like sad somber voice and it's like hey feed my feed my wolf for me and you had to like track his wolf down and feed it and it's like it's a really like tear jerker moment if you know the backstory behind it uh Are there one but, of
1: those that's uh actually go ahead, go ahead. sorry oh
0: no you you go ahead and say uh, what you're saying
1: so uh in in doom eternal there was actually this easter egg that was very moving um and it's a book called How to Comb Your Mustache by Clifton M. Fishbach. And the relevance there is that's Markiplier's dad. And he died um, in his battle with cancer. And as like a in memoriam thing, they put that book on a shelf in the game.
0: Yeah, and it's it's, it's those little like human um, Easter eggs that they put in and they do it for they do it for people from all walks of life. Yes, Markiplier's very uh, as a video game streamer, but like he had so much influence on their community, um, through like the way that they make their games and stuff like that, that. They were like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna give you this nod." And there's, but like, I mean, a little kid dying of cancer is in World of Warcraft now. Like, just think about the human yeah. aspect of that. That's just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing note on how human the gaming community is. Whether like now, there are some, there are some developers that are out there for money, right? Mm-hmm. Um but they never like like even those big like mogul companies like Electronic Arts and Ubisoft and and st- studios like that, they still acquire indie games to give people their dreams. You know, they don't they're not like all evil.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um a a good good shout out to this um this developer. Um Numinous Games made this very sad like this game brought me to tears um that they made it's on steam it's called that dragon cancer and you play all of these mini games as this little kid because it's his perception of the world around him and in the background you hear doctors talking to his parents um about his cancer and as you play through this game it's this kid going through all these scans and all these like his life is you know completely shifted, but he's a really small child. He's four, uh, I think. Uh, he's very well, he's very, very young when this starts. Um, but it's two hours of just the most poetic gameplay, like ever. Um, I was literally crying um, in this game at one point because it's so moving, and I love that there are studios out there that are willing to tell this story. yeah, like that, well, the stories that they have really um just the humanization of video games in general is one of the greatest things that I think has ever happened to video games
0: yeah and and I get that we're we're talking a lot about this but I mean you have to keep in mind as millennials like video games are part of our generation and at the um, same
1: time we are talking about you know the like the psychological you know effects of all this stuff at the same time
0: yeah and it's but like the thing is like video games are Uh, a reality that we have full control over that's the that's the appeal to video games for a lot of people is because like no matter how shitty your day is you know the rules of your video game you know you don't know the rules of life controlling
1: that world and it's nice to have because our world is so crazy
0: and 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 it's and it's not just our generation that created these escapes either I mean, uh, the generation before us had Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and tabletop RPG games to control their world around them. And that was also seen as like a like a vicious demon to a lot of people with, you know, the church claiming that they used actual rituals for summoning demons and like all sorts of stuff like that and calling it black magic and witchcraft. And they I've went through a, a lot whole, of middle yeah, through
1: like people talk about how their parents didn't let them play D&D because it was it was satan worship
0: but at the same time like if you've ever played D&D it is like so like so amazing it's 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 truly amazing because like and I will even say like personally I enjoy D&D more than video games personally because it is it, it like it doesn't restrict you in the way that a video game restricts you. Like so in a, a video game you're offered like four dialogue. The best explanation
1: options. I've ever given about what D and D does in your head is uh those um everyone's seen these kind of animations. You have someone that's black and white that's just walking, and as they walk, the entire world around them gets color and takes shape and you know, yeah. essentially, it's it's filled with color as they're walking, and that's what D and D feels like because you're crafting the entire world around you. And if you have a, a DM that you know gives everyone enough leeway, it's really easy to shape that world yourself. and And then you have people collaborating that are that are helping shape that world. And then in the you know in the end process, you have this whole universe full of continents cities dungeons uh just people that you've given importance to that you made up um it's great
0: storytelling another really positive thing about dungeons so um there's this big negative stereotype that the type of people who play dungeons and dragons have to be these super inclusive types but i mean me growing up i was you know a skater a musician i had lots of you know very popular friends even though I wasn't ma- maybe the most popular person and I was probably annoying and if any of my friends from high school are listening to this podcast like they know exactly who I was as a kid I was I was very loud obnoxious uh but I was cool with everybody like I didn't um establish like a hatred for the world and recluse myself but I didn't start playing D&D back in those days I started playing D&D uh because of my current roommate he uh he like showed me it uh, and he was like, "Hey, man, like you should, you should play this. It's it's really fun." And I was like, "You know what? Fuck a shot." Because, I mean, I had I had this like notion in my head that you know it was only for like really weird people and like it wasn't like, um, you know, something that like a normal person would do. And then I played it, and I was like, "Like, there's nothing wrong with this. This is just like pure creation at its finest. Like, you have yeah. control over." how you look who you are uh, what you do in your world and you're not restricted by it so you can it just... is
1: the mental um essentially the mental uh improv it's mental improv really like it's all in your head it's all in everyone else's head but you're all just improvising
0: oh yeah and, and my whole thing my whole thing is like beautiful i love um the art of using my voice um in terms of Doing funny voices, uh, telling comedy, doing podcasts, uh, singing, um, making music. I love the art of crafting my voice into something um, otherworldly, uh, amazing, imaginative. And and Dungeons and Dragons provides you with like the perfect chance to do that. Like it's the ultimate like guide to voice acting, essentially, because everything you do, everything you do, and everything you say comes from your voice. You so, can
1: be a 4-foot tall girl and then in D&D you can play a 7-foot orc if you feel like it.
0: Yeah, and and some of those like juxtapositions of uh player character versus player are some of like the most magical things about playing it. Um, you know, like I'm I'm kind of like a I'm like 5-foot 10 and about like 200 and something pounds, right? But for some reason, whenever I play d I always end up as like a halfling or like a gnome or like a kobold, like a very small race.
1: There's that campaign we uh, currently have going where I am uh, a character that is a living piece of bread. It's five <laughs> inches tall. I am, I Good am old Bradley three. Cooper. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Um, One of the best characters I've ever created. He was <laughs> He has a whole like... <laughs> whole overarching backstory that I thought of and everything. Um, but just having that freedom is so magical. And I got into, I got into Pathfinders when I was like 17. Um, we would meet every Thursday at this place called Game Goblins. And, uh, after I graduated high school, I kind of fell out of that and didn't find another D and D group for a couple of years. Cause I didn't play D and D I played Pathfinders. So I couldn't find anybody. Um, but then once I found a D&D group through those sessions we all became such great friends so it's oh, a very yeah. social thing as well
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing is um, I found uh, when COVID hit there was a huge boom in Dungeons and Dragons because um, there are online resources to where even if you don't live in the same city or you're not in the same time zone uh, through like, websites like Roll20 um and D and D Beyond and things like that and like digital portals like you can you can set up a game with people from all across the world in one like D and D session on the computer and um a lot of people use it as their social interaction because it's such a social game and it's such an interactive uh person to person game because you're building in a map that you all of your imaginations together are creating this world so it was like it gave you that that catharsis that you needed from being around people without ever having to leave your house.
1: I think that there was a lot of appeal in that, you know, because of the, the outbreak, um, and, and all just the craziness of the past year, everyone being stuck at home. I think a lot of people's imaginations were really opened up in that time because they had to fill that void.
0: Oh yeah. And, and, and the thing is, the thing is like, um, if you want to go out to the bar and the bar is closed, you just go to the tavern in D and D and you drink together. Like you, you can crack open some beers with your buddies and be in a tavern in D and D as your character and actually get drunk in real life too. Like you yeah, didn't you have, have to
1: fun with it.
0: Yeah, and and the thing is, like there are there are plenty of different styles of playing the game too. So. If you know playing with a, a piece of bread as a companion doesn't appeal to you, there are campaigns out there that are super serious and super puzzle heavy and super watch what you say, know what you're saying, know what you're doing, and you can get that mental challenge that way and in that intelligent game as well. But that, and that's not to say that playing in a comedic way isn't intelligent. It's just to say, like, if you take the world very seriously, there are groups out there that take the world very seriously. Whereas on the on the converse, if you want to just have like a fun like troll session D and D game, there are plenty of DMs out there that are willing to accommodate that. And then at
1: that vi- in that very same instance, uh, the uh, like the campaign that has Bradley Cooper in it, we've had some. You know some really well done moments. So you know those silly ones can also be serious. So you get you really get a bit of everything. So no matter what type of person you are, there is a niche for you in D and D.
0: And there's a class for you too, Um, because like it's not like it's not like everybody starts out as like a fighter and you have to you know be all about the fight. Like there are builds that were literally like you are useless in combat, but when it comes to RPing like role playing with other characters, like you are the the king of that realm, um and there's a lot of homebrew like that too, like there's a homebrew called the con artist, where in combat, all you do is you buff your party by um tricking people into like having uh, a lower chance to get a critical role and things like that um but you're completely useless when it comes to the actual martial capability of fighting, but then when you get into a dialogue you can literally just work your way around with words around anything anybody says and get what you want.
1: Yeah, I have actually I've played campaigns where our combat was very limited because we all had you know just this diplomacy about us.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've had I've had whole one shots where we can get through a module without ever starting a fight. You know, like where you literally just talk your way out of everything.
1: You can without a doubt tell you're eating right now.
0: Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care if people know that I'm eating. I'm eating a slice of pizza <laughs> and it is delicious.
1: So there's also the mechanics of the game that can play into storytelling as well. Um, Bradley Cooper It's not where the madness ends with him. He is what's considered... a. He's a sorcerer but he's what's considered a wild magic sorcerer. So Every time I do a spell, um, there's, there's systems for this in itself though, but you roll a d20 and whatever that number lands on, the corresponding effect is what happens. And there are d1000s you can look that have a list of 1000 things and whatever number it generates, um, because a d1000 is, you know, it, it might be a real thing, but that's absurd. Um but whatever number you end up with, you go down that list and it could be like you blow up the whole party and kill everyone. Or it could be, you know, you summon all these ethereal beasts around you. Um, so it can be crazy. (laughs) It's, it adds so much, like so many possibilities to a campaign. Um, when you pick a class.
0: And the, the other thing is there's nothing that you can come up with that can't be turned into a system with the game. um, whether it's like in part of the source material or you and your your dungeon master come up with a system to work it um the thing the thing about d and d is because it's so creative and so imaginative it's open ended like there's nothing that you cannot do in a Dungeons and dragons game to an extent like there, yeah there's still things that's like you're not going to be a god in that world where like you never make a mistake, but like you can you can you know anything you can dream up, you can probably find a mechanic to work with it
1: and that's uh it's the wonder of r p
0: oh yeah it's it's fantastic and it's it's a microcosm of the world and it, but it's a world that you have control of, and um you know uh there's one guy who is the world basically like your d m plays the world and then you as a player character enter his world so like if you're super close with your group of friends and you want to do it, like you can get insights into the way your friends' minds work just by the world that they create.
1: Oh yeah. You can definitely uh, create some much deeper friendships. I know so many times we've been in the middle of a campaign and someone says something funny and then we just in character keep bouncing it off of each other. And suddenly we have a whole 20 minutes of just us joking in character and everyone's oh, yeah. rolling and it's the hap- like one of the happiest moments you Oh, there
0: was before. a so we had another a, a good funny story of like how this applies uh we were I was playing a campaign right and um we uh we came up on like a cobalt slave camp or, what, or like an elf slave camp or something like that and um they were like do you want to stop and help the elves and one of these players it was like a newer player um who really didn't participate in RP that much she just suddenly pipes up she goes yeah but what were the elves wearing and we all just died laughing because it was like it was like it's like did they ask for it what were they wearing <laughs> so we all were just like what like and it was a very soft spoken player too and she just came with like the most ridiculous joke in the middle of like a very serious moment and we all just like could not hold it in because like little moments like that happen all the time in D&D and they're amazing.
1: We actually had in one session um we had a actually a really good example of the unpredictable dynamics of how D&D will just end up You'll end up with two characters you never intended on having chemistry, having the best friendship. We have, we have a uh, one of my buddies plays as a character named Steve, and Steve is essentially, um, just imagine like Satan in an office shirt. Um, he's middle management. He <laughs> like he works at a Best Buy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's Steve and. Steve's character and Bradley without any intention of this happening became super close. We had this running joke from the very beginning um, where my character started. I opened this chest up and it was everyone's things. And I, in, in my Bradley Cooper voice, which is very high pitched. I was like, I read Steve's journal. And, and so I, I read his diary. And when we're playing I'll be writing on Steve's shoulder because that's how Bradley gets around is writing on people's shoulders. Um whenever he says Steve adds this to his journal, I'm just like Bradley reads it
0: like, <laughs> over his shoulder.
1: <laughs> and we've created this dynamic that wasn't intended because we have another player who plays a character named Kevin, and Kevin is like this nine foot tall adoptive brother of Bradley, and he's a dragonborn. So he's just a big lizard and they're <laughs> brothers, but this dynamic has been shifted to where Bradley's like best friend is Steve. <laughs>
0: Dude, so There's just
1: that unpredictability that I love about D and
0: D. Oh yeah. And it's, 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 it's very unpredictable to the point of the way life is like somebody, like even like, if you think about the chance encounter of me and Landon and they as, such good friends that we are, and making this podcast like that randomness of us meeting and this happening exists in the world of D and D as well.
1: Yeah, if I hadn't, if I hadn't picked up Skater XL, me and Johnny probably never would have met. That so it's and it's just one split decision. That's it. Like if I hadn't made that decision, all of this like not there.
0: Oh, which oh, dude, and now that that just gives me an idea for another topic. I just want to talk about how amazing the film Butterfly Effect is on explaining this very phenomenon.
1: Oh, man, that's such a great film.
0: It's like, um, and the the thing, like, Butterfly Effect, if you've never seen it, um, it's a very, very um, thrilling movie. Uh, It has scenes in it, uh, very poignant topics, very, uh, like, triggering topics in it. So as a trigger warning before you go to watch it just know that there are moments in it that are not okay. Um it is a very dark movie. But it talks about how um like the basic like there's there's a message in it that's like a subliminal message that a lot of people don't realize and it's that sometimes um meeting one person can mean tragedy for both of you. But just like at the same time uh you know not meeting somebody can cause the same levels of pain it's kind of it's a, it's an interesting concept because it's basically the hero keeps going back in time through his journals yeah. trying to these, fix like, trying blackouts. to fix yeah and he's trying to fix something wrong in his past um through it but then he learns that the only way to prevent everything is to the person that he loves the most most in the world is to give that person up and then they're both okay like so it's it's a it's a very it's a very deep and thoughtful movie and the way that they portray it and and the execution of the role by ashton kutcher is just it's it's top tier film work it really is
1: and i'm sure even if you haven't seen the movie someone in your life has said oh butterfly effect at some point
0: yeah, it's it's the butterfly effect is like... Um, the basis of the philosophy is if a butterfly flaps its wing on one part of the world, there will be a ripple of events that will reach the other side of the world from that butterfly flapping its wings. So the butterfly flaps its wings, which causes somebody to flinch, which causes a car crash, which causes pain in that person, which causes this and that and this. And something as small as a butterfly's wing flapping could be the cause of somebody's misfortune or something like that. It's, it's a crazy concept, but it, it makes sense because it's, it's a real effect on the world. If you don't make a single decision, then everything that happened after that split decision, it's completely different.
1: I did watch a really, I can't even remember what this movie was called. I saw it when I was really young and this was kind of my first introduction to the butterfly effect. And it was like as extreme as, as it could get, uh, these people would basically go through this portal back in time. Um, I don't even remember if they were trying to stop something while they were there, but someone stepped on a butterfly uh, in prehistoric times, and it ended up stuck to the bottom of their shoe. And when they entered the presence oh, well, the present, uh, at some point, um, there's dinosaurs again because of <laughs> what he did like it's it's an extreme but it's it's the butterfly effect quite literally
0: yeah and it's 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 su- it's a, such a cool concept because it's so true and it's so infallible and it's it's so like there's no holes in the theory like it's there's no there's no cop out in butterfly effect
1: there's also like I, I just want to mention one more movie deja vu with Denzel Washington was like super good
0: Oh yeah, and 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 dude, like all of the films like that. I mean, Groundhog Day, um, you know, Time Bandits. All of those like time travel movies all filter off of the butterfly effect. The reason why people have such a hard time fathoming time travel is because of the butterfly effect. Like that is the thing that makes time travel seem so sketchy to people.
1: There are actually um, I have seen people kind of have this argument back and forth and i've seen you know the resolution to it but there's that whole argument people put forth like oh if there was time travel i'd only go to the future there are a couple factors here um and one of them someone pointed out i thought was it was a very good point if you were to go to the future and come back like if you were to go back with what you learned you have changed the past you've already changed the past as exactly. you went back, you've seen what comes. Well,
0: and then yeah. another
1: point of that is actually more of a scientific perspective. But if you went to the future, they would have like in their you know in their genome they would have different mutations than you, and it's entirely possible you could get sick and die very quickly.
0: Yeah. Well, the other the other thing is, um, uh... I think my favorite time travel movie actually. The way that they portray time travel, like they're like, we're not thinking about the ridiculousness. We're going to make a time travel movie, and it's called About Time, and it's a romantic comedy movie where basically Domhnall Gleason plays the main character in it. And uh, basically what it is is like the men in his family, when they turn, uh, I think it's like 18 or 21, or I don't remember the exact age, they can travel back in time, but only in their own life. Um, so oh. they like pinhole it to that, but it can only be a place they've actually been and a memory they actually have that they could travel to. So they can only affect their own timeline, essentially. But there's like lots of lessons in there, which is like, you know, like all the time travel in the world can't make somebody who doesn't love you love you and things like that, where it's like, um, it's very and then the message at the end of the movie is the part that makes it like really worth it is it's 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 a it's not a movie to stress you know time travel and like you can solve all your problems with time travel essentially basically what the lesson of the movie is is live every day as though it's your second time living that day and just see the beauty in the day that you're in that's the base message of that movie and it's so profound and amazing in the way they portray it with uh the relationship between domino gleason And uh, the other character, which is played by uh, Rachel McAdams, like they have a very normal marriage. They have a very (laughs) normal life, even though this guy can travel in time and he doesn't do anything ridiculous with it. His whole goal with traveling back in time was just, you know, to fall in love and to live a healthy life. So, like, I loved the idea of making a time travel movie where time travel isn't like to solve a global crisis or to like heal a disease. It was literally just time travel was to make life happen, you know?
1: there's a, a, a concept I really enjoy is time travel being the big bad, uh, such as, uh, if you've seen the time traveler's wife, um, Eric Bana and, uh, Rachel McAdams, um, are the, uh, the two stars. And in the time traveler's wife, um, our main character, uh, basically at random times throughout his life, he will just appear in the past. It, no clothes, no nothing. He's just in the past. And, Throughout this movie, when he keeps traveling to the past, he meets this little girl. He has a little picnic with her um, later on. <laughs> he travels back again, and he meets this this teenage girl. Same girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes on and on until um, it's revealed that they end up getting married, and it shows like the detrimental effects of him randomly being pushed back in time all the time. And it actually ties together perfectly in a really moving ending and i just like that concept that there's no villain here except for time travel
0: and and the another thing is that movie is also based off of a novel by the same title so Mm -hmm. if you're if you're not really a movies person and you want to read the book version of it it is also available as a written format and it might be a different um portrayal of the story from the movie because obviously movies and books are never perfectly in line with each other, but it's still a fantastic book. It's a New York Times bestseller, and uh it's definitely worth a read as well.
1: You haven't seen Eric bona in anything else? Uh he is in he's in Star Trek actually. In the the 2009 Star Trek.
0: And isn't he isn't he also the incredible Hulk in the first Hulk attempt?
1: He is. He is yeah. the Incredible Hulk in the original like Yeah a, the original like, a, the like terrible
0: to... cut one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, Nero in Star Trek, by the way.
0: He was Nero in Star Trek? Yeah,
1: in the 2009 film.
0: I didn't even know that. Yep. Learn something new every day, right? (laughs) Just like (laughs) um, uh, Tom Hardy, uh, one of his first uh, major roles was in a Star Trek movie as well.
1: Didn't know that.
0: Yeah, he played, I, I don't remember what alien he played. I think it was like Star Trek Nemesis was the name of the movie or something that and he played like the big bad in it but he was he was he wasn't like the wall of muscle we know today he was a very skinny um, very skinny very lanky built Tom Hardy back in that day
1: another another person that was um, that was actually in Star Trek that uh, you wouldn't expect to be such a good serious actor um, is a uh, John Cho he was uh, he was Sulu in the, the like the reboot film series but everybody knows Trek? him as everybody knows as him as harold
0: harold and kumar yeah
1: yeah he's actually um set to be spike spiegel in the live action cowboy bebop
0: and i love that casting so much
1: oh yeah he's so good in his serious roles um the guy that uh that plays um kumar
0: yeah uh, uh um what's his face uh why am i blanking on his name i know his last why name is I Patel. His name. Calpen cal Penn, yeah it's cal yeah. pen sorry i knew his last name started with a p um, <laughs> yeah. cal pen actually um actually was uh worked like worked for nasa for a bit i thought or like the white house or something like that he had a very prolific yeah, he was, job um, at one point
1: yeah he was actually principal um i think it was like principal associate director or director of like the white house um public engagement office um that's why he got taken out of house actually
0: yeah, he actually, uh, and the funny thing is, um, uh, after he gave up that position, he actually played that role in a Netflix original series called Designated Survivor.
1: Yep, and he is also, actually, um, he's amazing in that movie. He's, he's wonderful. Not movie, that show. show
0: um, oh, dude, that show is fantastic. Uh, if you've yeah. never seen Designated Survivor, um, it's a very centrist uh, on the political spectrum show. Um, it doesn't it doesn't cater to any one party it's it's a very it's basically the america rebuilding itself after like the wor- worst disaster ever with a president who fell Kiefer into sutherland. the role yeah president's played by Kiefer sutherland if you don't know who Kiefer sutherland is he is the main uh teenage vampire in the lost boys uh the 1980s movie the
1: star of 24 uh he's, yes. um, he's jack bauer
0: yeah he's jack bauer um, but basically what it is is, um, he, he was like deemed as the designated survivor, which is a role in Congress during the State of the Union where they pick one random cabinet member who is not going to be on site for, um, you know, the State of the Union in case something catastrophic happens. And something catastrophic happens. And suddenly this man with no political ambition whatsoever and no party allegiance and independent is thrown into the most powerful office in America. And it's him rebuilding the country from nothingness with no Congress, no Senate, uh, no cabinet, just thrown into the world's most impossible situation.
1: And then all while trying to have to deal with, um, with the, the state of the union, you know, being destroyed and whether or not that was a conspiracy. So not only is he taking on, you know, the entire United States on his shoulder he also has to figure out why this happened and if it was meant to happen by who did it.
0: Yeah, and and um, not to spoil the show uh, because we're we're really deep into this show now. Um, but there's a note in the at the very start is he actually is fired before being deemed the designated fire- survivor, so he's supposed to be resigning the very next day. So, yep. like the drama of it all is that he's also fighting the question of whether his presidency is legitimized or not if you love conspiracy theories it is a great show for you
1: oh yeah it is uh i i define it as like political conspiracy i've had to like put it into like a genre and it's they do it really well so even if you're not into politics you'll like it for the conspiracy
0: and my whole thing is uh even even on a political spectrum that show does not cater to one specific political he is truly an independent like he he is a true independent candidate there are some issues where he's like uh you know he'll send strike forces in to take care of stuff with the military but at the same time he'll also question question it every step of the way like he's not he's very conscious in the way that he makes decisions as opposed to political in the way he makes the decisions and it's it's a cool dynamic to see in american government because it's not a dynamic you often get to see so it's kind of like, it's, it's a nice refreshing look on politics because they don't get too deep into the politics of it. They get deep into how politics affect people and how they interact with each other, but they don't necessarily stress the actual politic, the, the actual political issue at hand. But of course, I, never, I haven't made it past you know, I haven't watched like the later seasons so if they change that at any point um, really I don't have a full... He really his
1: character throughout.
0: I yeah, because I, I don't have a full broad, broad spectrum of the entire series, but from at least what I saw in the first season, finished the first season of it, um, it's it's it stays that way for quite a long time. So,
1: yeah. And from the beginning, he really sticks to his guns, too. He doesn't really start leaning in one direction at any point. He, he really knows what he knows, what he believes. And it's, it's nice to see
0: yeah it's a very it's a very amazing show i actually started watching that just to bring um bring up context of how i started watching that show so um i was actually um i was in europe at the time when that show came out i was on a uh uh, like a peacekeeping mission with the un for the military um and all we had was like a playstation 3 and a net netflix subscription basically to all of us as like as guys out there right so what we would do is uh it was released episodically it was like the first show on netflix that was released episodically weekly instead of being released all at once so once once a week all of the guys would get together in our tiny little room with bunk beds in it we'd turn on the playstation 3 and we'd watch designated survivor together so it's kind of got like a a cool little like place in my heart um because you know like uh that deployment's got so many funny stories attached to it and it's like it's probably the best time I ever had in the military was that rotation because it was like, there was no risk of getting hurt. There was no, like it was, I've never seen combat myself. Like I've never been on a combat deployment, but I mean, I've rotated to other countries and I've been away from my family and all, but like that one was amazing because it was like, we were being exposed to new cultures with no mission set that was, you know, um, destroying that culture in any way or violence involved. It was just, you know training and building friendships with other nations and it was a cool change of pace from the constant you know training on your weapons training on shooting off the trucks training on convoy operations learning how to survive an ied learning how to survive a nuclear blast it was like it was more just you know like hey we're on a polish military base go make friends with the polish it was was kind of like what we did
1: experience
0: and it was amazing and i got you know i got to drive big old trucks on the autobahn and i got to you know I got to go see Romania, I got to see Dracula's castle while I was there. Um, you know, I saw a lot of Germany, I saw Auschwitz while I was out there. I mean, it's 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 a really formidable and changing point in my life and and uh you know, having little things like designated survivor and things like that that are like, you know, triggers to remember it is amazing. It's fun it was a great period of my life. That's amazing. So, yeah, that show will always hold a special place in my heart, whether it goes to crap and becomes like the worst show on tv i'll still be like that first season i still watched you know with my boys
1: speaking of having a uh, an emotional connection to a tv show oddly enough one of those mo- emotional connections i have is to regular show um and not really for the show itself but what i was going through in life when i when i watched the series i was i was very down on myself i I got reclusive. I stopped talking to a lot of people um, because I just, this was before I actually got on antidepressants and they started really helping. Um, I just couldn't see the point in anything. And I would turn on regular show and I would just have that on while I was, you know, I was doing whatever. And now I look back at regular show very fondly because Towards when I was watching the last two seasons of that show, that's when things kind of started turning around. I started, you know, I started taking my antidepressants and I started feeling good about my life again. And I didn't have all that negativity just flooding my head all the time. And so I look back at that and I think, like, that's one of those things that was a constant for me. That was always there when I felt like nothing had permanence. And so I look back and when I see regular show, I just have this just this fond appreciation for it.
0: And it's just like Rigby says, ham boning will save your life one." ham boning. (laughs) And it did. (laughs) I love that show too.
1: It also explores some very deep concepts too and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things um, as far as you know, just the kind of demons that I was facing at the time, because there was a, a while where I was very much the jealous type. Um, and mm. like, I would, I would feel like, uh, and I don't even think it was really like being the jealous type. It was just that I was always in my head saying like, you're not worth worth anything. And then when, uh, when I had something, you know, good happened, it got overshadowed by something i felt like um and then i would feel like it was for nothing and that show taught me that you know no matter what it is that you're making or you're you know you're doing you should not make a comparison to something else that's like like let's take this podcast for instance um you know you make the podcast and just because there's bigger podcasts it doesn't mean yours is nothing and that show taught me that
0: Oh, yeah. And it's like uh, one of our one of our listeners in the first episode said about our first episode, he was like, um, I never thought that in a podcast where I contemplated how to kill Sasquatch, I would also halfway through start to think of how I could end hate in the world. And that was that's the responses we're going for. We're going for that real human response.
1: Yeah, um, that's that's the just the kind of style we're we're aiming for. And I'm really glad that we're achieving that.
0: And, um, you know, uh, I, I have people come up to me and ask questions all the time because of the way I look at the world so objectively. Uh, and they're very emotional people. Um, they'll ask me to give them the objective view on things. Um, and it's something that I love doing. I love being people's, you know, objective rock essentially in their emotional time. Um, it's something I very much enjoy. Uh, it's, so, it's like,
1: helping and there's nothing honestly for me there's nothing that feels better than helping someone and that's why like oh yeah i just that's why i want to make people laugh so much own make people laugh and also maybe you know show people earlier than i figured out that things aren't all terrible and,
0: um, and on a really real note um it's, it tends to be that people um been through a lot of struggle in their life a lot of pain in their life and a lot of depression in their life, tend to be the people who will make you laugh the most because we understand the pain and where it comes from we understand uh, what's going on with you and our whole thing is here you go here's the distraction you need um, and I love being that distraction for people and I see it even with uh, with my soon-to-be ex-wife uh, when something goes wrong in her life I don't, you know, get all like, well, you deserve this because we're not together anymore with it. Um, it's like, I understand. And then I give her like that little, that little piece of me, um, that she was looking for when she calls me. And it's like, I don't care if she's complaining about like a new boyfriend or something like that because I signed those papers when I married her and I agreed to die with my best friend. Even though we're not married, that commitment is a commitment I made, and I'm going to honor that commitment regardless of what it says on paper, because that's just who I am as a person because I love to provide that that help that that system of knowing that you're not alone in the world because I've been the underdog my whole life, I was never the most athletically fit person i was you know I was smart, I was really, really, really smart, but I wasn't smart about how I use my smarts, you know I wasn't like. It you know, took I didn't a become a doctor. Get
1: here, yeah, I
0: didn't I didn't become a doctor. You know, I had I had periods of my life where I was addicted to drugs. I had, you know, uh periods of my life where I had no idea what was going on. Where I was a completely useless person and I was terrible to people. And and it was just all of those terrible things that happened in my life. Uh at no point in my life was I ever ready to give up. At no point in my life was I ever like it's it it'd be all better if it was over because to me it was like yeah i feel like shit right now and i feel horrible right now but at some point this pain is going to make something good feel so much better
1: and it's that that growing really that it takes to get to a point where you can actually give someone advice um there were a lot of periods of my life that i realized you know i've made mistakes and i've accepted that i made those mistakes and i will I will not claim by any means to have, you know, always been like a a good person or any of that. Um I've made mistakes. I've done selfish things. I've I've been a total asshole to people. Um and I for so long I just let that continue to beat me up and eat at me until I realized you know this is not these are not lessons to tear me down. This is essentially making me more you know, more humble and, an understanding of my own actions and, you know, the actions of other people and why things happened to me the way that they did. And I can honestly say that I, I don't regret a lot of things because they turned me into who I am now. And I am, I am sorry for anyone that I've ever hurt, but the best thing that you can possibly do when you hurt someone is grow from that and try not to hurt anyone like that again.
0: Yeah. And my, my whole thing is, is you never should have to apologize for being you. Um, You as a person are who you're going to going to be like you, the way you see the world is the way you're going to see the world. That is who you are as a person. And don't ever don't ever shortchange the way you see the world because that is your world. The world is your world. Um, You're not going to be able to control the way people react to the way you see the world. That is not something that you have control of because they see the world in a completely unique, unique way the way you see the world in a completely unique way. But what it is is life isn't about making everybody see the world your way. Life is about when your world and their world meet for a brief moment and you both live in the same world together. That is like the most important moment in your life is when your world and somebody else's world align for just five minutes, even at the minimum. And is you just have a pure moment. Yeah. And you just have yeah. a pure moment. It's the puzzle pieces. Like, again, from the first, the first podcast, it's the puzzle pieces that those are the pieces I'm referring to It's when your world and somebody else's world align and whether that's going to be permanent or not, shouldn't matter to you. It's you need to like, just have that moment and, and love that moment because uh forcing that moment to last forever like you're never going to make that moment last forever and And i see that a, a lot with the fact that you know i was married and i'm no longer married anymore but it doesn't make that marriage any less valuable to me in terms of memories or in terms of how i felt in that moment those positive memories are still positives whether it ended you know in a negative or not like I still have the memories of, you know, when we were driving in North Dakota and almost died because like two cars crashed in front of us and things like that. But I, you know, I I I drove through it and I got us out of there and stuff like that. Like those moments are still good moments and you need to not let the end result of whatever happened turn those moments into bad moments because they're still good moments. You still had a good moment.
1: Even if you know it's it's the the worst thing possible that happened to you in the world. Um I don't think that those are things that you should hang on to because I've, I've learned, um, over time that existing inside the moments you're having is going to make you a lot happier than sitting down beside, you know, someone you care about, uh, whether it be girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, husband, wife, or just, you know, a friend sitting there and thinking, you know, am I going to have this tomorrow? And yeah, is, don't. are are they still gonna care a month from now? If you sit there and just think about all of these things and let it build up, you're gonna give your you're then gonna develop some self-doubt and you're gonna start questioning your own characteristics and it's just gonna build into this giant bomb that's eventually going to explode and things aren't going to be good. So it yeah. and and maybe that's not the best for everyone, but as far as I go, for me, living in the moment and not worrying about things that are coming months in the future is the only way I can stay sane.
0: Well, the other thing, the other thing is um, living in the moment doesn't mean uh, flying by the seat of your pants either. Yeah. yeah, You can have, you can have future plans and you can have ambitions and goals and you can have an idea of where you want your life to go. But at the same time, while you're chasing those goals, while you're chasing that, that you know that end result that you've planned out enjoy the process of getting there don't don't skip three pages ahead just because it gets difficult enjoy the difficulty enjoy the struggle because if you don't struggle then the end result is not going to feel as good
1: exactly and that's why i i may you know do the whole living in the moment thing but i do also strive for the things that I do want. And there's a difference between, you know, like you said, flying by the seat of your pants and actually living in the moment and appreciating the moment. Um, living in the moment doesn't mean just jump at things as soon as, you know, as soon as they come out there, definitely think about what you're doing. Think about what you're, what you're going to do, but don't let the bad things sit there and eat at you because it's going to manifest into something much more negative. And you, you don't need that because that doesn't help anyone. But in, in worrying less about those things, the things you are driven to that you're striving for, you're going to put a lot more time into those and you're going to have a lot more fun and things are going to be probably a whole lot more successful because you're not sitting there stressing about that, you know, that dentist appointment next week, getting, you know, getting your wisdom teeth taken out or something, you know, or or it could be something (laughs) much more serious, but the, you know, the point is not letting that eat at you is a very healthy thing like
0: yeah and 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 it's 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 definitely something that's easier said than practiced um and you need it but you need to realize like even when you fall short and you don't live in the moment for days you can always get back to it there's no there's no hole you can dig yourself into that you can't climb out of it's just it's not it's not it's 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 hard to accept that as um a member of of american society at least i don't know how it is in other countries but in american society we're taught that if you if you're a failure you're just deemed a failure forever uh in a lot of things uh but like you see it every day there are people who have committed horrible felonies who have like murdered people who have been in like really bad situations that have turned their life around and now they're positive forces for good in the world so it's you're it's not it's not a rpg where you're typecast as a you know like a chaotic good or a lawful evil or anything like that like you're you're like you know your alignment can change you know
1: absolutely i would say i'm even going back as as far as a year ago i'm a lot different than i was um that's really a year two years ago just around that general area is when things were like really bad And just so, it, you know, it it goes to show that, like, this didn't happen overnight. I, I do still have my moments where I'll wake up in the morning and I'm just like, fuck, man, another day. But then at the same time, I have those moments where, you know, something worrisome can happen. And I'm just like, all right, let's let's stop and let's think and let's not think about all the negatives. Let's think about how this could work out so that i don't keep freaking out about it
0: yeah exactly and and it's it's little battles that you win with yourself um and uh the the my favorite my favorite thing to think about um and this is probably going to be uh close to how we're going to close this out is uh the one thought i want to leave everybody with is um don't you're not in this world uh for for other people you're in this world for you but don't take it selfishly um living selfishly is just as detrimental as worrying about what everybody thinks about you um but the thing is don't don't fester in your apologies um say you're sorry um and you know be a good person to other people and realize that other people are just like you no matter what walk of life they come from no matter how they treat you everybody in this world uh was born who they are and they're going to be who they are and if who you are and who they are don't line up that's perfectly fine like that that is something that exists in this world like not everybody is going to be everybody's friend not everybody is going to be everybody's enemy either so what it is is surround yourself with those people that see the world uh, like in a similar way as you not the exact same way as you because you need some of that
1: uh, uh, you, you know, know that debate
0: yeah you need that debate you need people who aren't like exactly like you but at the same time at some point no matter how different your worlds are there is one thing in the world that will make your worlds combine and hunt those moments those perfect little moments where your world and somebody else's world come together and they make a moment those are the moments that make life worth living and that moment right there just collect those and you'll die way happier in the end of all of this if you have just a stockpile of those moments and those are the moments that sell out your funeral you know because you cling to that moment and they cling to that moment and then in your final moments they're going to think of that moment and that moment is going to be all they think of so cherish that. Yeah, they're, they're, those are the moments you strive for.
1: And uh, I'm going to close this out by saying we actually do have our email open now to people that want to message us, and whether you just want us to read something off on the podcast or a story that you have, um, or maybe you know even uh, even arranging us talking to you, however we figure out you know how we're going to do that, you can reach us at questionableguidecast at gmail dot com. Um, and we will, uh, we'll read it. We'll get back to you.
0: This has been a questionable guide to life. Thank you for listening.